one of the, I, I guess, uh, funnest activities I've ever done in my life was whitewater rafting. How many of you have ever been whitewater rafting? All right, several of you. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we, we were going down the, the New River in West Virginia, and uh, the New River in West Virginia has class one through five rapids, five basically being a waterfall. And uh, it, they're, they're fun to go over, by the way. Um, maybe not Niagara, but uh, it, it, they're fun. Um, but all of us, we had a raft, and there was 10 of us in the raft. Every single one of us had a job, whether that was to be bailing water or rowing uh, or watching out for people who would fall out of the raft um, and uh, grab hold of their arms and save their life. Uh, that, we all had jobs. Uh, we had a guy that was on the back of the raft, and his job was to, to steer the oars and our, kind of our guide. Um, unfortunately, that guy was the guy that got thrown off the raft and into the water. Um, so we, you know, we obviously survived. I'm here. Um, we survived. And, uh, and why did we survive? We survived because each of us did our job. Each of us had a part to play, and each of us did our job. And we were able to navigate the crazy waters of the New River in West Virginia. And, and it, was, it, was a, it was fun. It was crazy at times. It was scary at times. But it was an amazing ride. And I would... Long, I really would love to do it again um, because it was just an incredible thing. But one of the most important parts of it was that each one of us did our part. You know, as we think about and we continue to talk about the bridge, and, and this, this week will be the last time we're going to talk about this as far as a, a sermon series. But as, as we think about the bridge and we think about connecting the community to Christ and, and what can we do to be a bridge builder? What can we do to be a peacemaker? What can, what can we do to be someone who, who brings the good news of Jesus, who is the ultimate bridge between us and God, that, that, that you and I can play our part in whatever area or whatever part that, that God has us placed in. And, and the beauty is, is that every one of us can play a part in it. Whether you're a, a kid or a teenager or an adult, every single one of us can play a part in connecting our community to Christ. And, and so as you think about that, I want you to think about something that along those lines, and, and the reason why we've got to be willing to do our part. We've got to be willing to play our role in, in what we're striving to do because in our community, so Sterling, Rock Falls, and Dixon, the, the, the census just recently says that in those three towns, there are 38,363 people that live in Sterling, Rock Falls, and Dixon. Out of that number, there was a man that in Dixon, uh, for three months in a row, called area churches in Sterling, Rock Falls, and Dixon, and asked all those churches, how many people do you have attending today? And what he figured out is, over the course of those three months, there was, on average, every single Sunday, 6,500 people that were attending a church in Sterling, Rock Falls, and in Dixon. You may say, well, that sounds awesome, and it is awesome. Praise God for 6,500 people who are willing to attend a church on any given Sunday. And, and yet, at the same time, if you think about that in light of how many people, 38,363 people that live in Sterling, Dixon, and Rock Falls, that's only 17% of the population just in the Sauk Valley that attend church on a regular basis. I don't know about you, but that bothers me. 
that bothers me, not because I think attending church is the Savior or that attending church is, is what's going to save people, but what I do know is, is that God has created the church as plan A of how he's going to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and if people, if, if think about that, what is, what is 100 minus 17? Someone give me the number. 83, right? Okay, thanks. 83%. If 83% of our population is not going to church, that's an issue. Because it's here that we talk about the Word of God. It's here that we, we, we should be welcoming and loving and caring for each other and, and, and being the, the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and so as, as we dive in today, the question that I want to ask is, is, what is the church? And I, and I want you to watch this video and think about that question. What is the church? What is the church? The church is the people of God, powered by the Spirit of God, guided by the Word of God, working for the glory of God. This is the church. The church is not just a place. The church is the people. The church is not just a monument. It's a movement. The church is not just a building. It's a body. The church is not just an accessory, it's a necessity. This is the church. The Bible says the church is the hope of the world, the salt of the earth, and the city on a hill. The church is the family of God, the body of Christ, and light in the darkness. The church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. The church is where all kinds of people from all kinds of places, come together to forsake their sins and to worship their Savior. Where chains are broken and broken hearts are put back together, where prodigals come home and captives are set free, this is the church. Where blind eyes are opened and good news is preached, where the low are lifted up and the proud are brought low, where the lost are found and the helpless find help where brothers and sisters can find love and acceptance from each other and from their Father in heaven. This is the church. Where the disciples of Jesus are built up in their most holy faith. The church is where the gospel is. The church is where grace is. The church is where God is. The church is you. The church is me. The church is all of us. This is the church. Think about that. The church is you. The church is me. The church is all of us. All of us playing our part. All of us doing our part. And, and I don't know about you, but as I think about just the, the reality of the truth of that video and, and, and the reality of the truth of the Word of God and how, and how God has directed and how God is long and God is, is, has been planning and has, has orchestrated all this together, you and I have the opportunity to be the church every day, everywhere. We, we have the opportunity to be the church that this community can't live without. 
And as we think about that, I, I want you to, to think about what is my role? What is my job? What, is, what am I supposed to do as a part of the church? And as you think about that, I want you to open, if you would, in your Bibles to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's uh, page 1436 in my Bible, so I don't know if that helps you, but it is in the New Testament. Uh, it's right before 2 Corinthians, and, uh, and so I, I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul uses a, a word picture here, a metaphor of the human body to describe the church. And, and the Bible makes it clear that, that, that the church is the body of Christ. You heard that in the video, and that Christ is the head of the church. And, and so Paul builds on that word picture, on, on, on that metaphor. And in verse 12, we pick it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. What I want to do as we unpack this and work through this passage is just give you some observations and, and challenge you to think about what is my role? What is my part in the church? And understand that, that, if, that, that, that there is such a key part to all of that, and it's found in verse 12. It says this phrase, so it is with Christ. What is key in our lives is the question of, am I with Christ? Am I with Christ or am I against Christ? You're one or the other. Whether or not you know Jesus Christ or you don't, you're either with Christ or you're against Christ. And the beauty is, is that if we're with Christ, then what we need to understand, and observation number one is this, is if you are with Christ, then you are a part of the body of Christ. You are a part of the church. If you don't know Jesus, then you are not a part of the body of Christ. That doesn't mean that you're not important. That doesn't mean that you don't have value. But it, what it means is, is that you have not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the key to being a part of the family of God. We cannot call God Father unless we come to understand Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. So often we, we put our salvation based on our works or based on what church I attend or based on whether or not I've gone through catechism or whether or not I've been baptized or whether or not I've all these things. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad. I'm just saying none of those things can save you. The only thing that can save you is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and so I want to encourage you, challenge you to ask yourself, am I with Christ? Am I with Christ? If you are with Christ, then you're part of something much bigger than you. I, I love that. What he says, just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. You and I are a part of something much bigger than ourself. We're a part of the body of Christ, the church. And that is on every continent in this world in which we live. Think about that. Right now, there are Christians that are worshiping God, not just here at Harvest Time, but all over the world. 
And what an incredible thing to realize that, that one day we're all going to be together in the same place, worshiping Jesus face to face. And I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to that day. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen? And, uh, and, and yet we have work to do. We have work to do. Why do we have work to do? Because there's places on this, this planet that yet don't know about Jesus. They've never even heard the name of Jesus. They've never heard the story of who Jesus is. Think about that. That's crazy for us to think about that in Western culture because we hear about Jesus all the time. There are places literally in the world that have never heard the name of Jesus. Never. Not, not, not ever in their entire history have they heard about Jesus. So there's still work to be done. And you and I, as part of this body, have a work to do. The thing is, it's not what I do. It's not what you do. It is Christ in us. Think about this, Galatians 2.20. I want you to read this verse, if you would, with me. I, let's read it together. Here we go. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is that true of you? Is that true of your soul? Is that true of, of your life? Have you been crucified with Christ? It's not you that lives any longer. It's Christ living in you. The life you now live, it's not you living it. It's Christ living it through you. Is that true of you? Are you with Christ? Jesus is the head. He's the one that we should be following. He's the one that we should be taking our cues from. He's the one that we should be looking to as our model, as our example, and as the one that we need to strive to live like. Not, not, not anybody else. Not me. Not, not any of your life group leaders. Not your ministry team leaders. Not anyone else. Listen, it's Jesus and Jesus alone who is the head. I hope my life reflects Christ somewhat. I know that it doesn't perfectly because I'm not perfect. I mess up. I sin every single day. Thoughts go through my head that I'm ashamed of. Words come out of my mouth that, man, I wish I could take back. That's not true with Jesus. Jesus never once had sinned. What a beautiful thing to understand that Jesus is the head and that he and I, that we can strive to be more like him in our life. So if you're in Christ, you're part of the church. Verse 14, verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body, think about this, verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, <laughs> a bunch of eyeballs running around. Mike Wazowski. Um, I, you know, ew. if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, it's just getting worse, where would the sense of smell be? This is so key, verse 18. Look at this. But as it is, who arranged the members in the body? God. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. 
what we need to understand, and this is, is observation number two, is God has let you be a part of the body of Christ for a reason. God has let you. God is the one who has orchestrated all of the details of your life for this moment, for this time, so that you as a part of the body of Christ can be used by God in a powerful and real way. And it's only him working in and through you. Think about that. I don't know what's happened in your past. I don't know what is going on in your present. And I don't know where you're headed in your future. But God does. And he has orchestrating all those things together for your good. And yes, even the bad decisions that you've made in your life, the stuff that you look back and go, man, I wish I could do that over. I wish I could relive that. I wish I could make a different choice. The thing is, you can't, but you can learn from it, and you can grow from your past, and you cannot repeat it in your future. But The beauty of God is is that there's nothing wasted. God uses everything that goes on in our life, and he forms and he knits us together. I love what Psalm 139 says. This is huge. For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. Some of you need to listen to this. You need to hear this. You You need to internalize this in your soul. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There are some of you here that think you are a mistake. There are some of you here that think you are a failure. There's some of you here that think you have nothing good to offer. There, there are some of you here that you think God could never use me. I want you to hear this again. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God did not mess up when he made you. God, when you popped out, God did not go, oh, oh. He did not, he was not surprised by you. And in the beauty of it is, listen to what he says, wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. And the question I would ask you is, do you? Does your soul know it very well? Because if you're wrestling here and you're wrestling with your worth and you're wrestling with your value and you're wrestling with whether or not you should even be on this planet or maybe you're thinking about taking your life, you need to understand something. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and God says to you, you are a wonderful work of his. And he loves you. He loves you. No one else on earth may say that they love you, but you need to know God loves you. God loves you so much he sent his son to die for you and to give his life for you so that you, my friend, can have life and have everlasting. And it may not be here on this earth. It may be the fact that God's everlasting life is for you in heaven one day. Maybe this life is hell for you the entire time you're here on this planet. Listen, this this little life that you have right now is a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. God loves you, friend. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Does your soul know it very well? He goes on and says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Listen to this. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, even yet as there were none. What's he saying? He's saying that God has a purpose for your life. And he knows every single one of your days before even one came to be. What an incredible God that we serve. 
that he would use us to be a part of his story. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen, every part is vital to God and to the body. A certain sea captain and his chief engineer argued as to which of them was more important to the ship. Failing to agree, they resorted to the unique plan of swapping places. The chief engineer ascended to the bridge. The captain went to the engine room. After a couple of hours, the captain suddenly appeared on the deck covered with oil and soot. Chief, he yelled, wildly waving aloft a monkey wrench. You'll have to come down here. I can't make her go. Of course you can't, replied the chief. The ships run aground. Y'all need to let that sink in a little bit. Listen, there's not a part of the church that's more important than another. Every part has been placed by God, arranged by God as he chose. As he chose. Do, do me a favor. Turn to somebody left, your right, behind you, in front of you, I don't care what, and tell them what's coming up on the screen. God made you, you are important to him and to me. Tell them right now. Look at them in the face and tell them it. Tell them it. Hey, uh, question. How many of y'all have ever heard of Billy Graham? Billy Graham. How, how many of you have ever heard of Edward Kimball? Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball was a science school teacher. He was a science school teacher that, that, that decided that God wanted him to go and visit every single one of his kids. He had, he had all guys in his group. And he went and visited his kids wherever they worked or whatever they were doing. He would go and he'd get on their turf and he'd get to know them and he'd invest his life in them. Edward Kimball ended up leading a man you've probably heard of too, D.L. Moody, to the Lord. He led D.L. Moody to the Lord and D.L. Moody went on to be one of the greatest evangelists of all time. And he had the opportunity to lead a couple other guys you may not have ever heard of. But then these couple other guys, they ended up also becoming evangelists, and a guy by the name of Billy Sunday uh, got saved underneath one of those guys. And as a result of what happened in Billy Sunday's life, he ended up having the opportunity to lead Billy Graham to the Lord. Where did it all start? It all started with Edward Kimball doing his part of going around to each one of his kids and his little life group, his little science school, and making a difference in their life by just showing up and loving on those, on those young men. And he, he played a role, a part, in, the, in literally the transformation of millions of people's lives. What... what what part does God want you to play? What, what part does God want you to, to be involved in? I, I think about people in this church, Bob and Karen Wilkins, Leroy and Nina Holloway, Miss Connie, 
all these that have, had faithfully served here at this church and now have retired from their various things or have gone home to be with, with God. The beauty is, is that these individuals made a difference, I know, in my kids' lives. And maybe they did in your kids' lives. And, and we don't know the rest of the story, right? We don't know the rest of the story. We don't know how that's going to play out. We don't know if another one of these kids is going to be another Billy Sunday or another Billy Graham. But they faithfully did what God had directed them to do. There's, I don't know, is Nancy here? There she is. Nancy Johnson, I'm, I'm going to throw her name out, and she's probably going to get mad at me, but that's okay. She's 95 years old, and there's not a week that doesn't go by where she doesn't email me or message me via Facebook or sends me a text. or what. So all you all that are out here like going, oh, I just can't do technology. No, it's not because you don't, it's not because you can't, it's because you don't want to. Let's just be honest. Uh, so she, every week, sends me something that just encourages me in my faith, that just encourages me in my walk. And, and, and she, you know, and maybe you're, think, you're, you're, you're older and you're thinking, I, I have, I'm, I'm beyond. No, you're not. God can use you in whatever aspect of, and way that he wants to. He has placed you where you're at for this time now, to be a difference maker, to be a bridge builder, not someday, today. Why? Because you and I aren't promised someday. We're, we talk about the, the kids in this room, the youth in this room being the church of tomorrow. No, they're the church of today, right now. There, there are kids in our, our ministry, I think about like, like Parker Dale, and I, I think about Havana who's back here, and, and these kids are, are out and they're doing things out in the world, but they're making a difference just one person at a time. Why? Why? Because they're not just the church of tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We have no idea, but they're the church of today. They're the church of today. You guys that are kids, you guys that are teenagers, you adults need to come to understand I am the church of now, today. Because you and I aren't guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So what we need to do is figure out, okay, what am I going to do today? What, what, what is God calling me to do to t- today? And maybe, maybe you're the next Edward Kimball. Maybe you're another Nancy Johnson. I don't know. But the beauty is, is that God wants to direct and move in your life so that he can use you as a part of the body of Christ to make a difference in others' lives. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor and on our unpresentable parts, they're treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable parts do, do not require. But listen here. Here it is again, verse 24. God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Have you ever hit your finger with a hammer? You become very, very aware that you have a thumb. Why? Because the whole rest of your body hurts. The whole rest of your body hurts. My very first summer here, I decided to be 
stupid. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that word. Um, kids, forgive me. I was, though. I was not smart. And I decided to, to dismount off a trampoline like teenagers. I was 22, so I wasn't that old. But, man, when I landed, I heard a... And, and then, and, and, I, and I ripped my ankle up bad, like broke it, it just, and I decided to be macho and walk up to the person's house that we were at, limping, of course. And I spent that entire summer, my first year in youth ministry, with a cast on my foot. And man, I tell you what, I never was so aware of how much I needed my foot. <laughs> when one part hurts, we all hurt. When one part rejoices, we all rejoice. Verse 27, now you're the body of Christ and individually members of it. God has, a, here it is again, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Verse 31 is so key, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a more are still more an excellent way. Verse 31 is so important. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. What does that mean? I think what he's saying there is not that any of these things are somehow more important than the other. What he's saying is, is that if this is true of the body of Christ, if these are, are, are the things that are true, and, and really all those things that he names, they're just outward exp expressions of an inward working that's going on that the Holy Spirit is working in each one of our lives. And, and the thing that he's saying, I think, in verse 31, earnestly desire the higher gifts, what he's saying to us is put it into action. Do something about it. You know that this is a reality. You, you believe that you're in Christ and that you're a part of the body of Christ and that you're unique, you're unique and you're awesome and, and you're not somehow less than anybody else. Put that into action. Do something with it. And, and the beauty of, of what God is doing in our lives is that he can use us, but when we're not willing to move, when we're not willing to do, when we're not willing to say, yes, God, God is not going to just, he, he's not going to use that. He's just going to let you go your way. Maybe that's an act of mercy on God's part, that he just gives you what you want. And yet, God's desire is not that you would do what you want, but God's desire is that you would say yes to him. Say yes to him. So, so my question to you is, is, what is he telling you to do? What is he laying on your heart to do? What, what, is, what is he stirring up in your soul right now, in this moment, to do? And the question I have for you is, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? You want to seek a higher gift. The higher gift is put whatever it is that God is laying on your heart into action. And realize that it's him working in you and through you, just as we've been talking about. And we do it all for his glory. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever we do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Listen to what this last part says. You are serving who? The Lord Christ. 
I'm going to ask you to just bow your head, close your eyes. Again, I, I don't know your heart. I don't need to. God does. He's fully aware. We're about to sing a song that, that connects so well in that God is calling you to something. Are you willing to say, yes, yes, I will do what you want me to do? Listen, there's going to be people up here at the front. There's going to be some at the back, and we're here just to pray with you. Maybe you got something you want to pray about or whatever, but, but can I just challenge you? Number one, if you, if you don't know Jesus, you're not a part of the body of Christ. You, you've not gotten plugged in yet. God wants to plug you in, and he does that through his son Jesus. That's, that's the avenue. He's the bridge. So if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, then, my friend, the first thing you need to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus. If you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you're with Christ, then you, as a part of the body, need to put that into to practice. And listen, there are so many different ways that that, that can be done. I know here at Harvest Time we have, we have over 40 different ministry teams that you can get involved in. But maybe one of those doesn't fit you. Okay, then let's think about what can we do to create one that fits you. I'm cool. I'm great with that. Let's do it. And 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 so I don't know what it is that God is directing you to do, but but what I do know is He's laying on your heart for a reason. So are you willing to say yes? Maybe, maybe some of you all have been wrestling with you've been doing something for a long, long time. And God has been tugging at your heart, trying to get you to change lanes. Can I, can I just say to you, I understand that. I Man, I did youth ministry for 20 years. I did not want to give that up. Loved it. But God directed me in a different direction. And I had to come to a place to say, yes, okay, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. That's not easy. I get that. But listen, it's more important for you to say yes. It's more important for you to go, okay, God, I'm willing to follow you wherever you lead me. Whatever you want to do, wherever you want to do it, I'm willing to go. My dad always used to say, you've heard me say it before, even if that means being a banana boat driver on the Amazon. Banana boat driver on the Amazon. Are you serious, Dad? Yeah. Why? Because if that's where God's calling you, that's where he's going to use you the most. And I remember thinking, Dad, you're nuts. That's crazy. Why would God ever call me to be a banana boat driver on the Amazon? I was missing the whole point. The point wasn't what he was going to call me to do. The point was, I need to say yes to whatever he calls me to do because that's where he's going to most use me. (laughs) So if it's being a banana boat driver on the Amazon, let's do this, Lord. I'm there for you. If it's, you know, I don't know, whatever. God, I want to go. Oh, don't take me to Timbuktu. Oh, yeah? Tell God that. He might just take you to Timbuktu. That's a real place, by the way. And guess what? He'll use you in such a powerful and amazing way, you'll, it'll blow your socks off. Let's sing. Let's stand. Let's sing.